Hey, what's up? It's Zach Neal. You're listening to the Misfits of Industry podcast. This is supposed to be the Monday Q&A, but it's not. I'm doing something a little different this week. First of all, I'm taping early because Monday I will be in an airplane for the entire day flying. But also, this is How to Start a Business for Dummies. Remember the For Dummies books? We're going to do something like that. This is How to Start a Business because so many of the questions that I'm getting are all relative to the same thing. So if I answered them one by one, I'd be podcasting for weeks, just answering virtually the same question over and over again. So instead, I'm gonna give you guys an entire tutorial on exactly how to start a business from soup to nuts, right now. Hey, so every week I uh, podcast, and sometimes I don't for a long time because I've been really busy, but usually I try to podcast on Mondays, and I do a Q&A on Mondays, which is your questions, my answers, but lately I've noticed that most of the questions you guys have been asking me, and by the way, thank you for everyone who's been writing in and asking questions, thank you for entrusting me to give you advice, I appreciate that, but anyway, most of the questions relate to the same thing. Everybody wants to know how to start a business, the ins and outs of how to do it. And uh, in ver- various different capacities and different, you know, but the questions are basically all the same. How do you handle the marketing? How do you handle the sales? How do you make a pitch deck? How do you get a loan? Where do you get your funding from? So I thought, you know what? Rather than spend weeks trying to sort through about the 45 different people who have sent in questions over the last couple of weeks that I haven't gotten to, instead, why don't I just do a whole special dun dun dun? on how to open your own business and we'll do it like one of those four dummies books how to open a business for dummies not that you're a dummy just kind of like a play on that book so if you've never had a business or you're, or you've had a failed business or whatever this all of this will be good for you if you're the type of person that's not cut out for running and operating your own business maybe this will be the information you need to hear that'll deter you from doing something really foolish and fucking your life up and if you do have what it takes maybe this will motivate you and give you the tools you need to open your business. So let's get started. I want to give a fresh start here. Shake it out, get relaxed, get focused, get ready to pay attention. If you're driving, turn it up. If you're at home, take a seat, maybe get out a notepad, get ready to pay attention. And I'm going to try to drop some knowledge on you guys. Here we go. Okay, first things first, we'll do this in steps. Step one for how to start a business for dummies. (laughs) I wonder if that book actually exists. It probably does, and it's probably fucking wrong. So here we go. Step one, identify exactly what it is you want to open. When I say identify exactly what it is that you want to open, that's exactly what I mean. Identify exactly what it is that you want to open with no question marks. For instance, my name is Steve Smith. I love making pizza. I have a great pizza recipe passed down from my grandmother's grandmother's grandmother. I want to open an old world Italian style pizzeria and I want to open it in the East Village of New York City. 
This is what I mean by knowing exactly what you want to open. I want to serve, boom, 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 boom. I want to make, boom, 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 boom. I want to be located in this neighborhood or this general area, near a college or near a school. I want to be open during these operating hours. My specialties are going to be, my price point is going to be. So that is the first step. Know exactly what you want to open. Identify and know exactly what it is you want to do. No, none of this bullshit. I kind of want to open a sushi restaurant, but I also kind of think it'd be cool to have a farm stand. Like, identify exactly what it is that you want to do so that if someone asks you, what business do you want to open, you can give a concise answer. I want to open an old world style pizza shop, serve like margarita pizzas, buffalo mozzarella. I want to serve it on thin homemade crust. I want to get a brick oven, a wood-burning oven. I want to do it real rustic and old school. I want my atmosphere to be kind of swanky, red wine by the bottle, the kind of pizzeria where you sit down, not like a sloppy pizzeria. And I want to do it somewhere in, you know, Seattle, Washington or the suburbs or know exactly what you want to do. That's the step one, okay? Moving on. Step two, pay attention now. This is important. This is probably one of the most important steps. Step two. After you've identified what you want to do, exactly what you want to do, step two is do the research to know everything about what you want to do and where you want to go. For instance, maybe you live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we're going to keep the pizzeria as an analogy. Just for whatever reason, that's what I feel like using, so it's going to be a pizza shop. You want to open a pizza shop in Minneapolis. Your pizza is a little different. You've got a, a theme or something you're going to do with it, a, a different style. You're going to use a different kind of crust or a different kind of cheese, or you feel you've got something that nobody else has, right? Something like that could probably work anywhere if it really is that unique, but chances are it's probably not that unique. So you need to do your market research. You need to go in the areas where you want to open, and you need to see how many competing businesses are in your area. You need to see what those businesses offer how many similarities they have. For instance, let's say you take five pizza shops that are within a five mile radius, maybe the five biggest pizza shops, and see what all of them offer on their menus. What are these guys offering? And are they offering the same things? For instance, they all serve pizza, obviously, but do they all serve buffalo wings? Do they all serve pasta dishes? Do they all serve more, you know, more sit-down fare? Are they upscale or downscale delivery? What is the thing that's missing? What is being underrepresented in your market that you think there's a demand for? So like I said, maybe you have something different. Maybe your thing is that you're gonna do gourmet pizza. You're gonna do lobster pizza. You're gonna do something that's more sit down with a higher price tag and you think that there's a demand for that in the market, but how do you know? Well, that goes into, we'll call this step 2.0 or 2.1. This goes into doing market research by uh, bringing on some what we would call tastemakers, even though they're not really tastemakers, but some people in the local area that know about the market. Some people that know, live there a long time or know about the people in the area. They have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in that town. If you don't live there yourself, if you do, maybe you have that information, but you need to know what there actually is a demand for. If you're downtown and there's 15 taco shops, I can guarantee you that the city does not need another fucking taco shop. I don't care how good your grandma's tacos were. It doesn't matter. They don't need another taco shop. So you're starting at a disadvantage when you over flood a market with something that there's already a lot of. So do the research, know the market, know the demographics, know the population. How many competing businesses, what are they all offering? Are there things that some are offering that others aren't that they're doing good with? 
what's missing? Where's the demand, the supply and demand chain that's missing out of what they have? Continuing on with the market research. Do the research. This is so fucking important. Do you know how many times I have seen in all the different places that I have lived and live in the cities that I work out of that I see nonsense competing businesses opening all the time? I literally see something as fucking generic as Luigi's Pizza opening up all the time. What do they offer? Let me tell you what they offer. The same bullshit that every pizzeria since the 1980s has offered. The same watered down, bagged, processed bullshit food, wings with barbecue sauce or buffalo sauce, hot or mild celery and blue cheese, jalapeno popper bites that come frozen in a bag and you throw them in there, regular or sweet potato fries that come in a bag and you throw them in the fryer and cook them for a few minutes, generic bland ass pizza with an average crust and an average sauce and regular mozzarella cheese, oh, and then barbecue chicken pizza, chicken parm pizza, white pizza, the same bullshit that every pizzeria serves. And they open this nonsense in a market where there's literally a pizza shop on every corner. Why fucking bother? Why spend the money? Is that your life's dream? You want to open a pizza shop, go to some place where pizza's being underserved, where there really aren't that many pizza shops, where you could actually be busy, busy, busy because there's hardly any pizza shops there. That would be one thing for starters. The other thing would be offer something that no one else offers. If you've got a bunch of takeout and delivery places that are just low-level basic bitch pizza shops open something snazzy reinvent the fucking wheel do a recipe that no one's ever heard of offer something different (laughs) different offer something like a, a mexican pizza shop how about like taco pizzas that's all you serve or non non bread indian pizzas like ethnic pizzas that are things that don't really fucking exist right i mean people it's not like people not made that before but only offer that taco pizzas Indian non-pizzas, curry pizzas. I'm just, like I said, I'm using pizza shops as an example because it could be whatever. You want to open a fucking bike shop? Whatever you want to open up. I'm just using pizza shop because it's easy for me to relate to. I've actually opened a couple. It's easy to relate to. So do the market research. You have to know the market you're going into and you have to know exactly what's going on there. You have to identify your customers, your competition, and what's being underserviced. If You want to do something, but there's a lot of competition in that area. Either go to a different market, go outside that market, or God help you, you better have something original or unique that's not being offered. A lot of places serve hamburgers, right? But there are places that serve over-the-top hamburgers. That's why places like Bear Burger, that franchise, can make a dent because they're offering something that other places aren't offering. Better varieties, bigger burgers, more toppings, unique things that people don't normally eat, all that kind of stuff. I've got a burger at one of my restaurants that was nominated for Best Burger in America because it's just a burger that's loaded with so many toppings and outlandish things and a really cool sauce. Do we invent the, the cheeseburger? Absolutely not. But we're doing something different. So that's the whole the whole point. Either be not over, you know, over-representative what you're doing with not too much competition in your market or have something unique. So identify all that stuff. Do research. You have to know what the fuck you're talking about. You're opening a business. Your life depends on this. You need to know. If you're opening a pizza shop, you better know the name of every other pizza shop in that town, how long they've been in business, what they serve, what their price point is. Go in, try their food, find their weakness. You should eat all of your competitors' food for weeks and weeks and weeks and make notes and identify exactly what they're good at, what they're bad at, what can be improved on, their price point. Could you afford to beat them 
on price sometimes? Or are they priced to the point where you really can't beat them? You got to match them. Could you afford to be more expensive if you offer a better product? Do you think people would pay more? These are all the things you need to be studying. And that's going to lead us into number three. Number three, price out everything. When I say price out everything, that's exactly what I mean. First, make a list of every single thing you're going to need to operate your business. Using the pizzeria analogy again, we're talking about hard assets and fixtures. Ovens, mixers, baymeries, coolers, refrigeration, signs, carpets, utensils, dishes, flatware, all of that stuff. Make a list of everything you're gonna need to operate your business. And be meticulous, you don't wanna miss anything. If you're not 100% sure, because it's your first time going into this, find out by looking it up. Use Google, go to other places and ask them. Go to another business that does what you wanna do and pick their brain. Tell them, I'm thinking about opening a place, I was wondering if you would you know, help me out a little bit and tell me like what not to do or to do. Don't go to a place that you're gonna compete with. Go out of town for this, by the way. That way, you're not being a dick and rolling up to a pizza shop a block away from where you're going to open and asking this guy for his trade secrets. Make a list. Price everything out. That means get prices and get three. Three prices for every single item. You want a pizza oven. So go to the place that sells used restaurant equipment or the restaurant equipment auctions that they have in every town and get a price on what they charge for a decent used pizza oven. Then go to a retailer or, you know, that sells brand new pizza ovens and get a price on a brand new pizza oven and then get another price somewhere in the middle, either on another used one or another manufacturer of new ones. So you have three price points to choose from and see how far apart they are. Do that for everything, literally everything. This is important because this is how you're going to determine exactly how much money you need to raise to pay for your business. Once you've gone through the equipment and the assets list, then we can start talking about, you're gonna do this again with rent, insurance, licenses, utilities, gas, electric. You're gonna go through all of this again, but for now, this is just your hard assets list because we are, at this point in time, in step three, we are nowhere near, nowhere near the point where we are signing a lease or buying a building. We're not even fucking close to that yet. There's so many steps before we even get there. So this is making a list and identifying every single hard asset piece of equipment, product that you're going to need to operate your business and getting three different prices from three different distributors or manufacturers or retailers for these things. Now, I want to be clear, just in case you're doing something food-based, like an, I don't mean that you need to go out and get a price on cheese. We're not talking about perishable goods. These are hard items. If you're opening a nail salon, this would be equipment to operate a nail salon. You know, uh, nail filer machines and you know whatever <laughs> i'm sure there's nothing called a nail filer machine but you get my point the foot soaked tubs and all that kind of stuff the chairs if you're opening a hair salon then it would be blow dryers and uh shears and fucking whatever whatever you need there right hard equipment signs carpets dishes pots pans you know all that kind of stuff not food and soft product not nail polish and Hard, hard products, hard assets. Make a list of all of that shit. Get three prices on everything. This is gonna take you some time, but this is important because especially later, we're gonna talk about why this is important, but I'll give you a little hint. If you're trying to raise investment money, 
or capital or borrow money from anybody, this is going to be a part of putting together your business plan. And if you don't know how much it's going to cost to open your business, you're fucked. So you need to know every detail. So step three, make a list of everything you're going to need and get three different prices on it and make this list and make it really good. Now we're going to go into step four, which is a fun step. Step four, who are you? This is the most important one out of all of these. Not who you are as an individual, but identifying who you are as a brand, as a business. Who are you? Question mark. You need to be able to answer that question in one sentence or less. If it's more than one sentence, it's over convoluted and it's probably going to fuck up. Or you haven't really narrowed it down to how to explain it properly yet and that is your challenge. One sentence or less. Some of the best businesses in the world I don't mean best in terms of that they're quality. I mean best and far as biggest. Think about it. Staples. What is it? Office supply store. <laughs> Boom. Dicks. What is it? Sporting goods store. I don't have to say anything else in those two sentences. You know exactly what they are, exactly what they do and what they sell with just a couple words. Your business has to be the same. Now, if you're going into a broad spectrum world, like we talked about with the pizza shop, there's a lot of pizzerias, right? You might have to identify yourself from the pack a little bit. So what do you specialize in? You can't specialize in 15 different things, by the way. Later on, you can. Later on, you can become a multifaceted powerhouse. But at the beginning, it's got to be one thing. The best businesses in the world, in my opinion, this is my opinion, but I think it's valid. The best fucking businesses in the world do one thing, and they do them really, really good. Like... What do you guys sell? We sell nothing but chocolate chip cookies. We're the chocolate chip cookie factory. What do you make? Chocolate chip cookies in all shapes and sizes. So that would be a great business. The chocolate chip cookie factory. We make dash chocolate chip cookies in all shapes and sizes. And then a big fucking picture of a cookie the size of a dinner saucer all the way down to a cookie the size of you know your pinky nail, a heart-shaped cookie, a teddy bear-shaped cookie, it's every cutout shape that you could imagine, every shape under the sun, and a cookie as big as your fucking midsection. That's it. The Chocolate Chip Cookie Factory. We make chocolate chip cookies in all shapes and sizes. Now add some fancy words in. You got a little room? We make delicious, homemade chocolate chip cookies in all shapes and sizes. They are available as vegan options or regular. You know, get a couple little, but the basic blurb is you're still fitting this into one sentence. We are the chocolate chip cookie factory. We make chocolate chip cookies in all shapes, varieties, and sizes, period. Your business needs to fit into something that simple. Staples, office supply store. Just that fucking simple. So if it's your pizza shop, we're sticking with that, that theme that we talked about. Mark's Pizza. Old world style Italian pizza specializing in margarita pizzas made with fresh tomato and mozzarella there you go that's what you are brand it now whatever other kind of business you might be a marketing firm an ad agency a law firm whatever you're opening up come up with a way to identify what you specialize in and what your business is people don't want to read a fucking biography to figure out what you are especially when they're making fast decisions consumers these days are making quick decisions on everything from food to where they're shopping 
Quick, what do you need? Uh, it's kind of chilly out today and I didn't bring a jacket. I need a cheap sweatshirt. You're looking for a place like The Gap or H&M or someplace where you can buy a $20 sweatshirt because you just don't want to... So chances are you're going to go to the thing that's closest. That decision is going to be made on closest unless there happens to be like a giant sign out front of a, bil- a building somewhere or the first thing that comes up on the internet is that such and such retailers having a 50% off all outerwear. Well, that might get you. That might get you over to that place. So the point is, is concise, easy identification of what you are. So many businesses struggle with this. They don't have an identity. So they don't know what they are. And, and they're so confusing. I, I went to a fucking place in New Jersey the other night that had it marketed itself as a vegan restaurant, right? In the same building. They're trying to be like a market. They couldn't make up their mind. So they have a, a place called Meatitarian. Meatitarian, a place that serves only meat and all kinds of things. Everything's made of meat right next door to the place that's only vegan. Needless to say, I walked the fuck out because if you're going to try to find a vegan place, the last thing you want to see is pounds and pounds of meat everywhere, 10 feet from where your vegan stuff is. And they say, don't worry, we use separate pans. Get the fuck out of here. Confusion, identity confusion. Be one thing, identify it easily and quickly. That's important, very important. So as you probably noticed, step one and step four are kind of connected. Step one, you know, identify what you want to do, what kind of business you want to be. It's similar. It's not the same. Step four is identifying like what you specialize in, like getting it down to. You could be a pizza shop, but I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of pizza shops. There's pizza shops that are known for all kinds of shit. Like clearly a pizza hut is different than a local pizza shop. A local pizza shop is different than a Papa John's. A Papa John's is different than a California pizza kitchen. There are some variety, even in things that are kind of common and standard, there's still some variety that exists. So step one, you know, identify exactly what kind of business you want to do, you know, go through the other steps up to this point. Step four, identifying who you are as a business, as a brand and getting it into one sentence or less for easy explanation. Now we move on to step five. All of these steps are crucial. All of these steps are important, but if you've gotten up and you've gotten through step four and you've gotten that far, You've got the patience and the diligence and you feel like you've gathered all the data, done your market research, you've made your list, you've triple priced, you've identified exactly who and what you are as a brand and you can explain it so that it's easily explainable in one sentence or less, then you're ready for step five. Step five is identify your location. This is important. Most businesses fail because of this step bad product and bad marketing and all you know so many things that contribute to a failed business but this step is probably one of the top three biggest reasons why a lot of businesses fail because they do this they know that their best chance for success would be to be on main street and there's lots of properties on main street for lease but they all seem so expensive and they just simply can't afford or justify the big expenditure to be on Main Street, but they know in their heart that that's where the traffic is. And God, if they, every business on Main Street does great. If they just got open on Main Street, it'd be okay, but they can't afford it or they think they can't afford it. So instead, they go down to 9th Street where real estate is cheap. Here's the problem with 9th Street. 8th Street has no street lights at night, so it's dark and creepy. There's only two businesses on 8th Street and they both close at 5 o'clock. Maybe probably because there's no fucking light on it. And 10th Street 
is like the crossover street where it starts to turn into a rougher part of town. 10th Street's got some project housing maybe, or 11th Street has some project housing, but 10th Street has got, you know, maybe some gang activity, some crimes. People are frequently robbed or mugged over in that neighborhood. You're one block out of that. That's why real estate is so cheap. And you get this, you get the same pitch that everyone gives, every shitty landlord gives. It's an up and coming neighborhood. It's the next Williamsburg. It's the next whatever Brooklyn. Next, it's a hipster neighborhood. It's it's being, I love this one. It's being overrun with hipsters. Blah, 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 blah. You go there. Sometimes if your product is really good and you have a great fucking marketing mind and a great marketing team, maybe you make it on 9th Street. I have. I've opened on 9th Street. I opened my first theme bar on what would have been like a 9th Street like I'm just driving on Rivington Street in the Lower East Side of New York on 174 Rivington. Rivington's a cool street, but not the block I was on. I was four, about three blocks, three to four blocks outside of what they call the sweet zone where it's all the bars and nightlife and, you know, up by Houston Street and Delancey and all that. No, no, I was down by Clinton and Attorney on Rivington Street where there's nothing there except for a shitty coffee shop, a tattoo shop that's closed early, a pawn shop. I'm one or two blocks outside of what used to be considered a pretty rough neighborhood. I made it there because I was a point of destination and because I'm fucking fantastic at marketing. Marketing is like my strong point. So I could put a fucking bar up in the middle of the woods and get people to come to it because it'll be worth their while and I know how to market it, but not everybody's like that. So if you're going to go to 9th Street, man, you better have something really fucking great. Even if you make it there, though, at what cost? How many months do you struggle and how much less money you're making it, but how much less money are you making because of a bad location? So we're going to talk about location for a little bit longer because it's really important. I want you to really understand when people say location is everything, they're not fucking kidding. So there's a happy balance between the thing that's completely unaffordable and what you need. And I'm going to show you how to find that balance. So we'll call this step five, part two. We're going to talk a little more about location, location, location. So you know if you were on Main Street, you'd make the money. The traffic is there, the foot traffic. It's a good part of town. It's safe. It's got street lights. It's got everything you need. But you can't afford Main Street. Or you think you can't afford Main Street because you want your budget to be around $5,000 a month for rent for your pizza shop. And Main Street properties start at $12,000 a month and go all the way up to $20,000 a month. Ninth Street properties are in your, your budget, 2500 some of them. So you think you're under budget. Here's the problem. If everybody is shopping on Main Street, if everybody, if the people are already there and there's already some decent pizza shops there, nobody's going to drive down to 9th Street to go to your place. Maybe your friends and family will at first, but the average person is not going to do that unless your product is so unbelievable, so one of a kind that it's just, man, I got to have that pizza on 9th Street. It's so much better than every other pizza out there. Unless you really straight face can say that that's what you have, which you would be like one in a million then because that's not the... Everyone thinks that, but it's not the case. You know how many restaurant owners have told me how dope their menu is and how sick their fucking sandwich is? And I try it, and I'm like, it's not that great. It's not that great. I'm a chef. I cook. I know about food. I have lots of restaurants. Not that fucking great, man. You think it's great. Don't get in your own head. That's a, that's a later step. But So unless you have that great product, they're not going to drive there. The reality is, is they're going to eat on Main Street. People might drive through the people that have to pass 9th Street to get home from work. Or the people have to, you know, go across it on their comings and goings. You might pick them up because it's convenient. People that live in that neighborhood, you might pick them up. You might get some customers that think your product is really good and they don't mind. 
getting from you, but chances are they're going to want delivery service. They're not going to really want to come there and patronize your shop. They'd rather have it delivered. A lot to consider, whereas if you were just on Main Street, you'd have all the business. If you really think your product is superior to your competitors and you've got some competitors on Main Street, you open up there, right? Do the math. You get the fucking traffic. You get the people in there. And is that amount of traffic and business worth the extra X amount of dollars per month for rent? Yes, it is. Please pay attention to this. Yes, it fucking is. It is worth it. It doesn't matter what you think. You don't know what you're talking about. You haven't done this before. And if you have and you were successful at it, you wouldn't be listening to this. So please, don't take this as me being insulting, but I'm just being honest with you. You don't know. And I'm telling you that it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it to be in a better part of town. It is absolutely worth it to be in a traffic zone. It's worth paying the higher rent. The happy ground is be a negotiator. Nobody pays ask for anything. Some real estate agent tells you that rent's going to be $17,000 a month. Realistically, rent's going to be $14,000 a month, okay? With any real estate agent, I'll tell you how. Get a hold of the landlord. Negotiate. Here's how you negotiate with a landlord that wants 20 grand a month for the property and you only want to pay 15. This is how you do it. Dear Mr. Landlord, <laughs> on a phone call or in person, not in an email, landlord person, lord of the land, I know you want $20,000 a month and I would love to pay that to you, but it's not in my budget to pay that. I'm, I'm budgeted at 15, but hear me out. I have an idea, a way that I think we can both work this out. Insert clever idea here. How about something like we start off the first year at $15,000 a month, and then in year two, we raise X amount. We go up to 16500 in year three, and you tether it over five years to where you get to the twenty grand a month in rent. But if for some reason business isn't going good and you don't get to that number, that's okay. It's not the end of the world because you have a way to get out of the lease or turn it over, and you're going to beautify the property, and you give them a business plan. Be meticulous. That's the thing I'm telling you in all these steps. All this stuff's going to get put down into a, a document. And this is all the beginnings of a business plan. And you hear about writing a business plan in case you uh, were sleeping. So far, we're five steps into how you make a great business plan. That's what we're doing here. We're basically making the outline of your business plan. And then we're going to formalize this and put it into a proper outline and a proper set of documents later. But this is we're putting together the guts of what your business will be. So... If you can't negotiate with the landlord, keep going till you find one that you can or keep going. But even if you're out of, you haven't spent any money yet, you're identifying your location. So if you set your budget at 15 and you just really can't get it done, no matter how many times you try to negotiate with a landlord or a different person, it's not happening because it's just not a realistic number, then raise your fucking budget. Raise your budget. This is important. Step five has a third part. We're still not done with this because location is so important. I told you step four Identifying who you are as a brand is the most important, and it is. It is as far as creating a brand. But we're talking about a brick and mortar business, someplace that has a physical location. Number five here, not too many things more important than location. So you have to find the right location. Like I said, for the better location, if your budget that you've set in your mind is a certain thing and you just can't seem to get the property that you need or the location that you need inside that budget, and you've tried negotiating with multiple realtors or and it's just, it's just not going to happen because it's not realistic, then you need to increase your budget. Remember, at this point, it doesn't matter because you haven't spent a dollar yet. You're just testing the market. You're telling, by the way, you're telling the brokers and the real estate people 
that you're interested in, in finding a spot and you're ready to open as soon as you don't tell them you don't have financing, you don't tell them you don't have money or loans, you just tell them that you're looking for space to open a business and as soon as you find the right space, you're gonna open. Keep them motivated to keep finding you properties and keep introducing you to people and getting it done and put the you can put a lot of pressure and weight on them and I do recommend Craigslist and you know surfing the web and finding properties yourself I don't I don't believe in relying solely on a real estate agent but real estate agents aren't the worst it's not a bad idea to have one on your on your team especially a motivated one that wants to go out and find you properties but location 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 so raise your fucking budget no excuses if you're there's no point in opening on 9th street you're just setting yourself up for failure like i said even if you survive well i made it on 9th street you made it did you thrive that's the difference between surviving and thriving my friends location in a business i mean i could have put you know one of my theme restaurants i could have put beetle house like in some shitty part of queens and it would have done okay because it's a destination point and people would have still tried to get out there but I'm on a great location, man. I'm in New York. I'm right on 6th Street, right at basically 6th and 2nd Avenue in a, in a residential slash commercial neighborhood where there's lots of businesses, lots of restaurants, lots of nightlife, lots of foot traffic, lots of things going on. Great neighborhood, great people, great place to be. Rent is fucking expensive. And I have a small, small space and rent's still fucking expensive, but worth it. In Hollywood, I'm on Hollywood Boulevard, man. Hollywood and Ivor, I'm in the heart of Hollywood. I'm right on Hollywood Boulevard. You can't get a better location in Hollywood. Rent is fucking expensive, but I'm right on Hollywood Boulevard. Has it been worthwhile being there? Yes, absolutely. Easy to get to, lots of foot traffic, great for tourists because they can walk to the next place. It's like they don't have to drive. They can put their car in valet and walk Hollywood Boulevard and go to 15 different places they want to go. It's all walkable, location, location, location. So I'm gonna stop badgering you with that. No matter what, you gotta be in the right location. You don't wanna just survive on 9th Street, you wanna thrive on Main Street. So increase your budget, because it doesn't matter. You haven't paid for it yet anyway, we're gonna get into that next. And step six, you ready? Here we go. Step six, now you've identified your list of all the products you're going to need. You've identified Everything that I've asked you to identify about the other parts of your business, who you are, your identity, what you do. Uh, you've made your product list and priced that out three times. You have three three different options for each thing that you need, three different price points to choose from. And now you have even found space or maybe you haven't picked the exact space yet because you probably haven't at this point, but you have at least identified some spaces in the neighborhoods that you'd like to be in and the areas that you'd like to be in. And you have a good a good ballpark idea of what it costs to rent there and get and you've gotten your terms how much down how many months of security do i have to personally secure the lease the loan whatever so now step six you are going to put together an overall budget for how much it's going to cost to open your business from top to bottom all of the product you're going to need the lease all of that stuff. That's what you wanna start working on. Step six is identifying the cost. And inside of identifying the cost, there's gonna be a step six and then a step 6.1 that I'm gonna talk about right now because you can't just identify the cost based on the things we've talked about so far. There's a couple other components that you have to put in there and I'm gonna give you the real margins of what you actually need to open a business right now. So step 6.1, we'll say, is 
the ancillary auxiliary costs that everybody that's opening a business for the first time forgets about cost of goods marketing operational costs for a period of time you are going to need to know how much on average your utilities are you find that out by going to the landlords of the different spaces and asking them if they can give you copies of the utility bills from past tenants or calling utility companies and getting ballpark idea of gas electric heating air conditioning all that kind of stuff you need to know your utilities if the, whatever business you're in, you need to have a rough idea of your cost of goods. You're not going to have an exact number because you're not open yet, but you need to have a rough idea. If you need help with that, there's a lot of companies that do that. If you're in the bar business, there's companies that can tell you alcohol per volume and versus how many people, how many bottles and pricing. There's you know, food. There's I mean, food companies like Cisco will work those numbers out for you if you're you know if you're a first-time restauranter, they'll help you based on you know how many people you think you'll serve a day and doing some ballparking. But you need to know cost of goods, utilities, uh, marketing, and operating costs. So to put together overall market, you know, operating costs, you need to know all of those extra things. How much does it cost to run your business per month? So figure out how many employees you're going to have and what you're going to be paying these people. Give yourself a range. How much am I paying? Identify who your staff is. How much am I paying a general manager? How much am I paying my pizza makers? How much am I paying my waitresses and counter people? How much am I paying? So on and so forth. Figure it out. Make an operational budget so you know how much money you need to operate your business. Now, when you get that number together, make sure not to forget garbage removal, cost of goods, electric, utilities, insurance, payroll, payroll taxes, sales tax. You got to go through a list and you got to cover all of it to the best of your ability. Once you have that number, do a 10% contingency. That 10% contingency is there because you will most likely fuck this up. Unless you've done it a bunch of times and even so, you still probably fuck it up. You'll miss something, you'll underestimate on something. So that's where your 10% contingency comes in. So if you say it's going to cost $10,000 a week to operate my business, you put a 10% contingency on top of that and now you say it costs $11,000 a week to operate your business and that's the number you actually put down on your paper. If it doesn't come in at 11, guess what? You've just done great and you've made extra money. But if it does come in a little higher, it comes in at 10,500, you're not freaking out because you've saved appropriately because you've you've got enough money. The reason why this number is important is because you need to have, follow me here. If you want to have a chance at being successful at any business, as a part of your ask, as a part of what you need to get open, as a part of the money that you're either borrowing or getting from investors or however you're getting your funding, you need a minimum. And I mean a fucking minimum. When I say minimum, I mean like this is not like the ideal number. This is just the minimum you can get away with. I shouldn't even give you the fucking minimum because you should really go for the maximum. But the minimum amount you need is three months of total operating costs set aside operating costs or what I said, everything it would take to operate your business, rent, utilities, insurance, cost of goods, staff, marketing, all of it, even down to the Wi-Fi in your building, you need three months worth set aside. So if it costs you, right, if it costs you $10,000 a week to operate your business, or even though we said about the 10% contingency, I want to use round numbers, 
So that's $40,000 a month it costs you to operate your business. So you need $120,000 set aside for three months of operation. Now, set aside could mean a lot of things. That could be a business line of credit that you don't even have to tap into, that you just have it available if you need it. A lot of people open their business and from the first weekend, they're okay. They just needed a couple weeks of operating capital and they were good to go. But more often than not, people need some time. They have a great product, but they need some time for it to catch on. Need some time for the marketing to catch up. Need some time for the word to spread that this is the best pizza shop in town, that they have something unique that everybody needs to try it. Nothing sadder than seeing a business go out of business six weeks before it was about to break for them and that business was going to go great, but they couldn't make it those extra six weeks because they didn't have the operating capital. Step six, part three. Here it is. Now you've identified all these things. You have your initial product, hard cost product, your estimated rent, your utilities, insurance, all your costs, your operating expenses, your costs. So now you should have a really good, your marketing, marketing's important as well. Don't skimp. Avoid television and radio advertising, they're worthless. Stick to the internet, stick to Instagram, Facebook, Vero, whatever social media is out there these days where you have an ad platform, that's where you wanna be. Go where the people are, fuck the radio and the television, they're really expensive and they honestly don't do shit. Nobody cares about it. I've never, I just wanna make this clear, in all of the business that I've done, I have never once used radio or television to advertise. It's absolutely pointless. So, moving right along, identify your budget, now put it all together, now you'll have a picture of what you need. How much money it's gonna cost you to get all your goods. How much money it's gonna cost you to um, get your, your products, your, your actual, you know, your food, your first food order, an alcohol delivery, whatever it is, that you, whatever business you're in, your startup costs, right? How much you're gonna need for your rent, for your, uh, for your space, how much to build out your space? What construction costs are involved? What do you need to do? Are you painting, spackling, or do you have to do a, a build out? Do you need to build walls? Do you need a construction crew? All that kind of stuff. This is all getting identified now. You're in that phase of identifying all those things and you've brought all those costs out. So now you have an exact number. And then the final thing is that you've got three months, three months minimum of operating costs. Look, if you don't need the money, it's just money you can give back to the bank or give back to the investor or it's, if it's a line of a credit, you just don't use it. It's fucking simple, man, but why not have it? Do you wanna put all this work and lifeblood into opening your business or this is your dream, this is the thing you're like giving everything for and get 45 days in and because your marketing didn't take off right away or because it was the wrong time of year because people got distracted with a bad economy or a political nonsense or whatever's going on in the world, your first 45 days were really underplayed and now you're going to lose the whole fucking place just that quick because you don't have enough money to keep the lights on after just a month and a half? Fuck no. You want to know you've got at least three months where you can not lay back, but push, 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 and hopefully you won't even need the money because from the first week you'll be busy. You'll have customers. You'll be making the money. But if you're not, who the fuck would want to give all that up to chance? And if, you're, if any of the things you're saying in here are like, well, where am I gonna come up with that kind of money? Well, I, then you shouldn't be opening a fucking business, my friend. That's just the reality. I'm, I'm trying to keep you from getting hurt. I'm telling you the truth. This is what you need. I've done it. The, I Believe me, I've done it the other way. I've opened businesses that have zero operating capital. Some of them have been just fine and they've gone on to make it. And some of them have fucking tanked because of that. Not having operating capital will be a killer.
So you gotta have all these things. This is a part of the deal. That wraps up step six. Step seven, moving right along. Now it's time to give the look and the feel to your place. This is kind of like step four where it's like, I, you know, you're now you, since you know who you are, how do you portray that in an image? And if you could have one picture that would summarize to a customer what you are and what you do, what would that picture be? It's almost impossible to get that. So don't freak yourself out. Most businesses never accomplish that. But that's the, that's the dream that we're striving for, that in one picture or one image, you could capture everything that you do and make it so clear that you don't even, you no longer even need the sentence anymore. You just have like the symbol. The artist formerly known as Prince, when Prince was a symbol, and that symbol, everyone knew exactly what it was. It was Prince. Most businesses don't get there, very few. McDonald's got there, Burger King, places like that get there, huge billion dollar franchises. But mostly, you know, smaller businesses don't get there. So don't, but that's the goal. So shoot for it. But if you don't achieve it, don't worry about it. But the point is, identify your look and feel. So this is, how is the inside of your business going to look? What's the decoration going to be? What's your color scheme? Do you have a great logo? Your social media and website assets, build them now. You don't wait until the business is open. You don't even, don't even get your loans yet. Don't even go near an investor or ask for a loan or try to get any money. Don't do fucking anything until this part and everything before this part is completely done. Name your business. Name is important. Don't use something stupid. Memorable is cool. Stupid is not cool. Memorable is different. Quirky. Stupid is stupid. You know, you'll know the difference when you hear it. Step seven, part one. How is your place going to look? What are the menus going to look like? What is the wallpaper going to be? What is the color scheme going to be? Get all that mapped out. Figure out, make sure it looks good. You need to make a diagram of this. You need to have somebody draw it for you or you need to put it into one of those 3D programs or at very least, you need to have like like a lookbook or like an inspiration board that shows like, and I'm going to use this swatch of green here is going to be bouncing off the slate gray walls and you, know, you need that shit. What the fuck is it going to look like? Don't leave it up to chance. You cannot take the chance that you get your business open and then you start talking about what it's going to look like. No, 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 my friends. You know exactly what it's going to look like. Get your logo done. If you're not inclined that way, get a good graphic designer. Make sure you get a good logo. A solid logo carries a lot of weight. Just like I said, the goal is to get something that you just see the image and you know. Shoot for that, but don't be discouraged if you don't make it. Most people don't, like I said. Get a logo. Now, once you've got the logo and you've got your color schemes and how your place going, your websites and your socials should match the color scheme of your business. If your business is slate gray and brown and, and fucking, you know, green, then that should be your color scheme on social media. That should be your color scheme on the website. That should be your color scheme everywhere. If pink and black are your, you know, whatever it is, it should all match. Now that you have your logo and your color scheme, have your website built buy your .com. It's important to have your .com. Please don't call your your business Luigi's Pizza and then have your fucking website be I love Alaskan Huskies and pizza.com. I know that probably sounds stupid, but I actually know people business owners whose websites have very little to do with like their business name. So, you know, and don't think you're being clever by doing like, you know, Luigi's Pizza Palace, New York, that's fine. But don't think you're being clever by doing something like NY Pizza Pala Palace, 
Luigi's.net, you know, it, convoluted websites piss everybody off. And in reality, if you're smart, don't even build a website yet. Just do a forward, buy the domain and just do a forward to your social media, whatever page you're going to be the most active on. Facebook, these days anyway, unfortunately, is the place where you can still have like kind of like a website-ish feel and you have tabs and book now buttons. So it might be smart to just do that. Don't even have a website initially. You can save yourself the cost on that. It doesn't really make a difference. It's easier for people to interact on Facebook than it is on the website. I'm not, I'm not a proponent for not having a website, but I'm also like, it's hit or miss for me. I've got some businesses right now that I just forward to the Facebook. Look at that Facebook. Everybody's there. So anyway, build your socials out with your logo, with your color scheme. Build your website out with your color, with your with your logo, with your color scheme. Have those done. Don't leave them sitting blank. Start posting right away and post every day. Start in this phase. Coming soon. Now, no one is going to your socials yet. Start inviting your friends as soon as the socials are up and start spreading teasers. Coming soon. I'm finally doing it. For any of you who have tried my old world style pizza when I've made it at your house or when I've made it for someone's birthday or this, or you've heard me talk about it, I've decided that it's time for me to get this place open. So I'm going to be opening soon. Grand opening announcement coming soon. Stay tuned. Then start posting every day. Pictures of pizza, recipes. You're not open yet, but that's okay. Post pictures. Of, make the pizza at your house if you can and post pictures of it there or post pictures of fresh ingredients or do little Q&As about how passionate you are about pizza. Talk about your path with pizza. What made it so impassioned to you? Why you love it so much? What it means to you? Turn your cell phone around and videotape yourself just like I'm doing right now podcasting. Talk about the shit you know about. And it doesn't matter if anyone's listening to it. You're creating content. You want to make it so that when eventually people do go to your pages, there's a lot for them to see and interact with. And they're not bored being there. They're like, wow, there's a lot of cool stuff on this page. So build out your socials, build out your properties, have all of it ready to go. Now, we're going into step eight. This is where it's going to get interesting, and this is where the the children are going to get separated from the adults, and the the should-dos and the should-not-dos are going to come out here. Step eight. Step eight. Here we go. Now, you've done step one through seven. You've done exactly what I've asked you to do. You've made all of the lists. You've checked them twice. You're just like Santa Claus. You are definitely, (coughs) excuse me, ready to start talking about money. If you've identified, if you've done everything from step one through seven and you're still with me, by the way, step one through seven should take you weeks, not days, weeks, months even, right? The first time, if it's the first time you're doing it, it would be a month or two minimum if you're quick but you're talking about a month or two but you're still talking about a month or two it's time it's time that you have to uh invest into this you're not going to do this in a couple days if you do it in a couple days you're way smarter than the average person and you probably did it wrong anyway so this is a time investment if you've done that if you've done all of these steps now we're at step eight step eight is look for the money where are you going to find it? You've got an exact number. You've got a 10% contingency. You know what you need. You know if you need $50,000 or $500,000, you know what the number is. Here's what I guarantee that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't go to a bank and borrow the money. You're going to have to personally secure that money if you do it that way. Here's why that's a problem. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this should be something you know, but if you don't, 
when you personal when you borrow money from a bank you have to personally secure the loan with something they're not going to do an unsecured loan for half a million dollars they're going to want you to secure that loan with something real property real assets a deed to a house a title title to cars real estate securing it against your own income your own personal assets that business fucks up if that business goes under if it doesn't make it for whatever reason if it burns down and then takes too long for the insurance to get it you lose everything you have you will personally have to go bankrupt you will destroy your own nest egg and if you're a parent or a family person or something like that this is a horrible situation that you'd never want to be in i do not recommend under any circumstances ever personally guaranteeing a loan for business so let's try to take banks let's take them out of the loop let's take them off the shelf let's talk about non-traditional let's talk about investors always start in your in your close circle first family friends friends of friends family of friends everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who's got some money or might invest in something or might back your idea if you've done step one through seven like we talked about and you've done them good you've got all the makings of a really good business plan let me tell you what you've got let's recap a little You've got exactly what you want to do. So you're very concise. You know exactly what you're making. You're making an old world Italian pizza shop that specializes in margarita pizzas with fresh tomatoes and mozzarella. You've done the demographics and the studies and you know the market that you're in. You know how many people live there, how many other pizza shops are in the area, and you've identified that none of those pizza shops offer exactly what you're offering and there is a demand for it. You're sure of that because you can show based on national ratings and other things that the margarita pizza is a superior pie that people prefer and fresh mozzarella and all this bullshit. You've gathered all this data. You know about the demographics of Main Street because you've done your homework and you've identified that it is by far the best place that you can operate a business in the town that you're going into. And by being there, you're going to get massive foot traffic. You've identified. So you've done all your research. You know everything which all of this means is you have the makings of a fantastic business plan. The kind of business plan that looks like someone put some time into it so it looks really good. And this is exactly what investors want to see. Somebody has done their homework. You might not be able to raise this money from one source. You might have to raise it from five sources. You might have to have five partners. That's what part eight, step eight, part two is going to be about is identifying the value of your business when you're raising money, knowing how much to give away and not give away, and how basically how to raise money, how to fund this business. I'll dive into that now. Here we go, step eight, part two. Okay, so really hard. You've never done a business before, but you don't have a lot of experience with this, so you're not, a, you're not, a, you're not leveraging like, oh, I already own five other pizzerias, so I can just leverage the bank or leverage the, the investor against these. You have nothing to leverage with except your own personal assets, and here I am telling you, don't use your personal assets, don't take a loan out, so you need an investor. Let's just say, arguably, that you're asking for $300,000. That's a lot of money. You don't have the experience. You have no proven track record. How are you going to get somebody to give you $300,000? Well, you've got a fantastic business plan, right? You've got that. And that counts for something. As most people looking for money, honestly, don't even have that. So you've got a great business plan. So let's talk about how you're going to put it together. You're going to take all of that data, everything that you've gathered that I told you to gather through steps one through seven, you're going to take all of that and you're going to take it to somebody who creates business plans. That's right, you're not gonna do it yourself. Unless you have professionally created business plans in the past, you're not gonna do it yourself. 
you're going to take it to somebody or some company that specializes in create and there's lots of them out there there's so many people that write business plans you're going to take it to somebody who writes business plans and you're going to have them write you a dynamic business plan based around the seven steps and any other additional information that they might want that you will certainly have at that point and make a great business plan and then you're going to start taking that business plan and shopping it to people in your own network you start in your own network you ask friends and family anyone know anybody with any money that might invest in my idea and you have to be a cheerleader at this point this is not the time to be shy you have to be impassioned about what you're doing you have to be so fucking sure of it that like it's the gospel and you're an evangelical preacher preaching the gospel to anyone who will listen oh man this pizza shop is going to be a home run i am telling you i'm betting my life on it i'm literally betting my life on it because i know it's going to be have you ever had my pizza my pizza recipe is different no 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 you talk about pizza shops You've never tried anything like this. Let me tell you, this is different. You want to know why it's different? I use fresh buffalo mozzarella. I use fresh tomato sauce that I make from whole tomatoes that I grow in my own garden and I boil them for 12 hours and I make the sauce and my crust has honey and sea salt in it and it's brushed with garlic butter and blah, 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 blah. Fresh basil and rosemary. I stuff it with an angel's tits. Whatever you got to say. This is what you do. You become a cheerleader and you got to make them believe it. Because people who are investors, people who invest in things, are, they're looking to be excited about something. And, you know, again, we're just using a pizza shop as an analogy. This is not how to open a pizza shop. This is just an analogy for any business. But in that world, it's very competitive. And a lot of businesses have a, a track record, especially restaurants, of failing. They're risky investments at best. So you got to have a good pitch. Also be prepared, like I said, to not raise all of this from one source. You might have to raise it all from multiple sources. And that brings me back to the evaluation. You can't, if you need to raise $300,000, you have to decide what $300,000 is worth, in your opinion, right from the get-go. If you think it's worth 50%, which I think is dumb, if you're leveraging 50% or more of your business from the beginning with investors... Unless it's somebody you know, have a tr proven track record with, or something that you're really comfortable with, it's a bad idea. You're going to be doing all the work and slaving away for 50% of the profits. That's rough. That's rough. Believe me, I've been there. So a better way to do this is figure out an evaluation. It doesn't matter what it's actually worth. And people say an evaluation isn't worth nothing. It doesn't fucking exist. And something's only worth what someone will pay for it. Like Always keep that in mind. There's no evaluation. It's worth what someone will pay for it. I could have 50,000 fucking compact discs sitting in my garage right now from popular bands, the most popular bands of all time. And guess what? They're not worth shit anymore because no one buys compact discs anymore, right? So they're just, they used to be worth $15, $18, $20 a piece. Now they're worth shit. So I actually do have about 6,000 CDs in my garage, by the way. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So it's what someone will pay for it. So make an evaluation. What is $300,000 worth? So let's just say that you say $300,000 is worth 40% of your business, right? Or using more of a round number, 50% of your business. Let's just say it's, it's worth 50% of your business. Nah, fuck it. Go back to, we'll go back to 30%. It's worth 30% of your business. $300,000 is worth 30% of your business. I'm just trying to keep the math simple. So $300,000 is worth 30% of your business. That's what you've established that you're willing to part with, 30%. Okay, 
probably not going to be able to raise $300,000 from one investor. So you might have to raise $100,000 from three investors. Is someone going to give you $100,000 for 10%? Maybe, maybe not. But that's what the evaluation would be. You're going to have to break this up. So what if someone only wants to give you $50,000 or $50,000 only worth 5%? Somebody who doesn't have a lot of money, $50,000 is a lot for them to part with. They might not be too happy giving you 50 grand for 5%. I'm telling you all this to tell you, hold your fucking ground. Don't give it away because of desperation because you're so excited to get your business open. Everyone's always so fucking excited. You're in such a rush to do everything. So you fuck everything up. And eight months later, when you're going out of business and you're losing, you're fucking crying because you're watching that place that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into get taken from you, get locked up. You're auctioning your equipment off. You've got no job. You can't support your fucking family. You won't be in such a goddamn hurry then. So listen, don't be in a hurry. You're just in a hurry to fuck up. I promise you. You got to wait for the right opportunity, the right deal. Don't just take it because it's like, well, this guy's going to give me what I need, but he wants more than... If you've established that you don't want to get rid of more than 30% of your business, which by the way, I think 40 is where you should tap out. I wouldn't go above 40 on a new business. Like you need to get everything you need and not part with more than 40% of your business. If you can do that, home run, in my opinion. Look, other guys, other business guys, other some guy with a fucking Harvard degree, you might say I'm cracked. But I say, I tell that guy... My businesses are thriving. I'm doing, and I've and I've had plenty fail. I'm not braggadocious. I'm not prideful that way. I fucked up. I can tell you how not to fuck up because I fucked up a million times. So I'm telling you from experience where where to go and where not to do. And I used to get excited and be all stupid and, oh man, he wants fifty one percent. That would give him control, but we can get all the money this week. Like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. It's not worth it. So identify what it's worth to you, then go out and start raising your money. Start in your own circle. Who's got money? Take meetings. Be impassioned. Be a cheerleader. If you're a shy person, you probably shouldn't be the one cheerleading your business. So you better have a partner. I'm hoping at this point, if you're like one of those introverted, shy people, you're not going to be great at raising money. You're not going to be great at cheerleading your brand. So hopefully you've got a partner, a brother, a sister, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, somebody in your life that's got the gift of gab that can read your script and go out and help you and speak on your behalf and you know get people to pay attention because you also can't let your this is your business now you can't let your own personality defaults you know uh fuck you over so go out and start pitching it get it together find the money you can find it don't be discouraged it might take you a long time to find it but a long time is like a year right in this kind of thing you'll find it within a year if you're diligently seeking it out you will find it you might have to do some hybrids. You might have to cut some corners. Somebody might not think that every part of your idea is great. You have to make decisions. How passionate are you about this or that or the other thing? Would you be willing to compromise? Or maybe this person really wants to invest the money that you need, but they really think there should be a secondary component to the business, that it should also be an ice cream joint. Maybe you don't give a shit about that and you don't want that, but you know what? They might see something you don't see and you have to decide if that kind of negotiation you're going to bend on things like that you have to decide if it's worth it to you but that's the deal go out and find the money don't fucking negotiate yourself into a corner and don't compromise on the things that really matter i'm just i've told i've said it i'm going to say it one more time wait for the right deal don't be in a hurry to take the wrong deal and fuck everything up wait for the right deal because the margins might not be as big as you hope they are and when those margins aren't that aren't that big you know or rather when they're really tight 
you want to be able to make sure there's enough to support you because you're putting you're the one going to be putting your lifeblood into this. You're the one's going to be living there, living it, breathing it, giving up your life for it. You want to be paying your investor money that makes it so you can't afford to, to support yourself because business isn't as good as you hoped and and 60, you know, or, or 50% isn't enough to support two people, it could barely support one. You don't want to be in that position. You want to be in a position where you're well serviced and well taken care of and you've got enough of the equity in your own company that even during slow times you can make it by. That's that's about being patient. That's step 9. We're getting into that right now. Step 9. Be patient. This is going to be the shortest step, also super important. Be patient. If you're wondering what that means, I'm going to give you a couple examples how in like this situation what it means, but in general be patient. You can't be in a hurry. That's why earlier I asked you to make sure you had a minimum of 90 days of operating capital when you open. Because you can't be in a hurry. You have to be patient and do things the right way. You need to work hard. You need to do everything the right way in a business to make sure you have a long-lasting business. I'm giving you advice that I wish I had taken so many times. I've got a string of bad reviews, press problems, operational problems, the wrong staff, the wrong thing. I had a guy in a, in a costume character grab a woman's breast at the, I mean, just ridiculous shit. A guy that I should have vetted better. I, it was my fault. I didn't hire him, but I'm the business owner. I should have vetted him better. His first fucking night on the job, he's in a Beetlejuice costume and he grabs some woman's breast. What the fuck is that? In front of her husband who complained and rightfully so, you know, like didn't, wasn't patient, just needed a guy and took the guy. You know, that's not good business. So I'm, what I'm showing you through this whole plan and all these steps, there's a lot of patience built into this. What did I tell you? It's going to take months to, to gather all this data to get it together. If you're really built for this, remember in the beginning when I said it, not everybody's built to own a business and this is going to be, if you don't have the patience, if you're, if you're listening to all this and it's discouraging you from maybe like, maybe I don't want to do this, follow your gut. You're not ready for this. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be apprehensive. That doesn't mean you're not going to kick ass at it because you're scared of it. But if you're discouraged because it just seems too long, you're in too much of a hurry, seems too hard, get out. You don't belong here. This isn't for you. Nope, not for you. And so this is the moment where we've been teaching patience. Along this whole thing, the underlying message has been patience, doing everything the right way, not rushing in, getting all the data, all the details, going to the landlord, taking your time, working with real estate agents, gathering all the data, getting three prices for each thing. So you have a, a price component to match the best one. You know, this is this is all about the patient approach. And now now it's come time that you pretty much, you're, you've, you've gotten your money or you're getting your money. And I'm telling you at this phase, be very patient. It might take you some time to get your money together. And if it does, that's okay. And if the original space that you looked at, that you really wanted, the, the real estate agent's calling you saying that they might be taking an offer on it from somebody else and you don't have your money yet, that's okay. Let it go to somebody else. You let that go to someone else because that's not meant to be. You can't let someone else pressure you into making a bad decision. The whole world is full of pressure, but this is one of those times where you just got to be patient and say, you know what? If the space that I really wanted ends up not working out, if someone else takes it, then that's what was meant to happen. And then so be it. Let them take the space. But if it's meant to be mine, it'll be there when I'm in. Just put a little faith in the universe, God, whatever you believe in, whatever you trust in, put a little faith out there and be patient.
It's okay if the space goes away. There'll be another space. It's okay. It's, it's going to take some time. Maybe the money will come quick. Maybe you've already got the money lined up. Maybe you're one of those people that's got like, you know, you already got the money. You inherited it from grandma or somebody said they fund you in and that's okay. So all these other steps are still valuable to you, but you've got your money now. But even then, be patient. If you get open, now if you've, let's say you've got your money at this point, still be patient. You can't expect to have a successful business overnight. You can't expect to win the race the first time you try out for it. You're going to have to put the time in and put the work in. So be patient. Be willing to put in the five years that it's going to take to really make your business pop and make your brand huge or the six months of marketing that it's going to take before you really see the benefits of it, before you really see those packed Friday and Saturday nights or be patient with the first bad reviews that come out. Don't lose your fucking shit and think it's the end for you. A business can survive a lot of bad reviews before it puts it under because there's always an opportunity to replace it with a good review. Do better. Be patient. That's step nine. Now we're moving on to step 10, the final step. Step 10, the final step in How to Open a Business for Dummies by Zach Neal. Look, after this step, there's certainly going to be a lot of other shit that you're going to need to know and you're going to learn. But what I'm giving you is basically the path on how you go from start to finish the best, fastest, safest, most patient way. Notice I said fastest safest and most patient way because this is the there's a speed by which you can move that is the fastest you can safely move there's a lot of speeds you can go quicker than all this i have open i have opened businesses from concept to opening in as little as 10 days before some of them have been great most of them have been okay but they have been miserable because of all the steps you miss when you go that fast so this, the fastest, safest speed, the safest way that you can travel at the fastest speed. That's what I've, I think I've outlined here. And so step 10 is you've got your business open now. You've done it. You've now opened. Your life now, your business now is about three things and three things only. Are you ready for what they are? Customers. I should say customer satisfaction, marketing, customer satisfaction. Again, I'm going to repeat customer satisfaction, marketing, and customer satisfaction. Everything that led you up through the first nine steps, identified who you are, what you are, what you want to do, all of those things are there. Now you're doing it. Make sure your customers think it's as great as you thought it was when it was just an idea in your phone or on your notepad at home when you were dreaming of it, when you were hoping and praying for the day that you would open it and how great it was going to be. Make sure it is that great. Make sure that that cheesesteak that you say is the best in the Northeast, make sure it is the fucking best in the Northeast. When you say best customer service, make sure you actually have the best customer service. You can't fuck around with this. Live up to the hype that you've created, the money that you borrowed, the family and friends that you drug along that helped you, that are believing in you and rooting for you. It's okay if you're tired. It's okay if you're worn out. But do the right thing. Absolutely make sure that it lives up to the hype and that your customers are satisfied. And then you've got to market. You have got to be, you cannot ignore the marketing. It's the most important thing at this phase. Like Once you've got the business open, there's nothing more important than customer satisfaction and marketing. And I would even say, 
honestly, customer satisfaction is not quite as important as marketing because there's a lot of shitty businesses out there that are serving food that kill you, like Burger King and McDonald's, that still are everywhere because of good marketing and still have a great business portfolio because of, of good marketing and mass marketing. So you've got to be everywhere. On social media, active, active, active. If you're not on social media, you're a fucking idiot. You have to be on social media, not just one. You've got to be everywhere that exists. You've got to be on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Any relevant one that exists, let's put it that way. You've got to have a YouTube channel. You've got to, you've got to be on all these places all the time. And you've got to always be capturing it. If you're just making pizzas in the morning, and again, we're using the pizza shop analogy, set up your cell phone and film yourself making the pizzas. Do some tricks. Throw some dough in the air. Show the fresh toppings being made and how to get some really good angles that are mouth-watering. And make sure you put these videos up first thing in the morning so that people have two or three hours to salivate over them as lunchtime is approaching at their corporate job. Do a targeted ad and target it to people that are, you know, that are work within a three-mile radius or whatever. Get smart about it. Use Instagram ads. Use Facebook ads. Target your audience. Make sure your ads are hitting at certain times of the day before lunch and dinner. Lots of images. Lots of images. Show images of food cooking and being prepared and the final look. People eating it. If a customer is like in really enjoying it, say, hey, would you mind if I turn my cell phone on for a minute and just took a video of you? Would you, would you be okay with that? Don't be afraid to get out there and ask your customers. They'd be a lot more willing than you would expect they would be. A lot of times, a lot of people are willing to go the extra mile and say, you know what? This is a great fucking pizza. Yeah, I'll say a few words. What do you want me to say? I don't know. Take a bite of the pizza and just tell me honestly how you feel about it. You got to be on that all the time. And if you can't be that person, you got to have somebody on your team that is knowledgeable with the internet, with social media, that can be that person. That is step 10, and it is extremely important. Marketing and customer satisfaction. If your customers complain, always address it, even in public. Make sure that you're, if somebody says, your food sucks, it tastes like shit, I'm sorry you feel that way. Come back in for a free slice, let us make it up to you. Always be on the, on the, the road of customer. Step 10, part two, and the final of this little uh, grand business, how to open a business for dummies special. Step 10, part two, to wrap this up, we're talking about marketing and customer satisfaction. This is your life now that you're open, marketing and customer satisfaction. Customer satisfaction really goes hand in hand with a lot of other things. It's like making sure you know product and quality control your product. It's the same thing. That's a part of customer satisfaction because if your product's not good, your customers aren't satisfied. If your service is slow, your customers aren't satisfied. If your restaurant smells like shit, your customers aren't satisfied. So it's all about excellence. Be excellent. Like I said, always go back to how important and special and excited you were at the beginning of this. Keep that throughout it. It's important you now's your your chance to shine and show people what you can really do to prove that your product or your service or whatever it is that you're going to do really is great. If it's great, it's going to franchise. If it's great, it's going to fucking scale. Believe me, if you're running a great business, if your business comes out the way you hoped it would and it's great and people are gravitating towards it, of course you're going to scale it. There's going to be another location. There's going to be a secondary or a third or that's that's the hope. That's where you hope to get to. But before you get there, customer satisfaction and marketing. I just gave you those social media tips. Stay on that shit. That's so important. Like you have to live on the fucking internet. Every minute of the day, everything is an Instagram moment. Everything is a worthy moment. Everything's a fate. And it is. It really is. Like, you're making the marinara sauce. Put a fucking cell phone camera up and show, like, hey, we're dumping in two cups of fresh basil, the ground black pepper, the, the garlic. The, oh, look at the garlic sauteing in the pan with the olive oil. Like, this is 
moments that you don't see from that's the difference between you and dickheads pizza on the corner they're probably not doing that kind of stuff they're probably not paying that much attention or having that level of social interaction or putting out that much content you be the one to put out all of that content you be the one to put out all of that social interaction you be the one that you know steps it up steps your game up to be more of the modernized social friendly business this is the key Everything that I've given you from step one to step 10 are the things that I now practice myself. When I am opening a business, This is these are the things that I do when I'm opening a business now. I've learned these lessons through trial and error by messing up and making mistakes. When you do it this way, you win. I just got back you know, last week from a trip to Dallas, Texas, a market I've never been in before because I'm going to open a large format restaurant and bar there in Dallas. And uh, I've never been in Dallas before that trip. I know nothing about Dallas, but you know what I've been doing for months? Researching, demographics, meeting locals. I've, I have brought on two locals on my team that are Dallas natives that, and two people that have businesses there, other restaurants there to advise me on the market either or not my competition because we are on opposite ends of the town and we're doing completely different things so they feel comfortable giving me good and honest advice because I'm not competition to them researching studying all of the fucking 10 steps or nine steps that I gave you guys I'm doing the same thing and that's why it will absolutely be successful because I wouldn't even be going to Dallas had I not known within the first five or six steps everything was going to be great in Dallas. I did my research. I did my diligence. I'm going to fucking thrive in Dallas because I know that because I've done the research. I've done the diligence to know what's in that market and I'm taking the proper steps. I wish you guys so much luck and success. I am here as a resource for you. If you need to talk, if you have further questions, you can hit me up. If there's something specific that I didn't you know, touch on, always hit me up at the real Zach Neal on all social media. If you made it through this and you listened to this whole thing, then there's probably a chance for you to be a business person. You probably are looking for actual answers. If you tapped out by step four or five, you're not ready for this. And if this seems scary to you, if this seems like too much work or too much time invested, you're definitely not ready because a life of business is a lifelong investment. It's something that we live and we breathe and we do it because we love to do it. We're impassioned by it. The work is what I get excited about. It's the part I like. I get fucking all wound up when I know that I have a big project coming up. I can't wait to dive into that thing and kick its ass. All right, guys, that's it. This has been <laughs> 10 Steps for Business for Dummies, How to Start a Business. Zach Neal, Misfits of Industry. Follow me at The Real Zach Neal. I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs>